Hey everyone, this is the Professor Rick Del Santo of the PWZ Podcast. If you're interested in professional wrestling of the independent kind, the National Wrestling Alliance, and the United Wrestling Network, check us out on Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, YouTube, and anywhere you listen to professional wrestling podcasts. Welcome to Shocking Things. Uh, we have a special guest, John Amenta, from the podcast Pinto Comics. How you doing, John? Very good. Thanks. Thanks, John. Uh, I asked John to do this episode with me because we, we're both very much into film, and we have similar opinions, but we also have very different opinions on things. And I thought it would be a very interesting concept for us to have uh, just to go over what our favorite year specific year is in film that we enjoy uh it's great because i was afraid we might have the same year we don't nope. so i'm i'm gonna let you go first uh john what's your favorite year ever in in history of film first of all uh john thanks uh, for having me on and uh yes. i love your show i love I, i've been listening uh the last uh maybe seven eight nine episodes um, i enjoy it i just finished your gremlins episode with laura and uh it was fantastic um, Thank you. And, and I'm being rude. I'm <laughs> Tell everyone who you are, John, and oh, about can... the Comics. I'm, I'm, can... uh, yeah. <laughs> no, you're not being rude at all. You said it at the beginning. We can do that at the end. That's fine. I'm John. Okay. I'm, I'm the host of Pinta Comics. It's a pop culture podcast. Uh, before we go, I'll tell you all about it. Uh, no, not not at all. Not at all. I just, wanted, I just wanted to throw that out there that I do really enjoy shocking things. All right. Uh, thank it's, you. It's a great show. Um, yeah, so... First of all, I want to commend you because this is a great a great question. Um, I think it's almost like I feel almost hard to answer truly. It and is. I I feel like I kind of went with what many genre uh, fans would go with. Uh, I picked 1982. Okay. okay. Now now that being said, a lot of things came out in 1982 that are big amongst sci-fi and horror and, you know, like that kind of genre uh, uh, fandom. Um, but there's quite a few of them that are bigger ones that aren't on my list at all. So uh, maybe at the end, like you said, we'll do some honorable mentions. There's a couple that I, I don't even think maybe necessarily belong on my list at all, but I can't not say them. So I'll save those to the end because I think there's a couple that are really big ones that people are going to go, that wasn't on there? Like, but that one was. But but you you said favorite. Like we, we try to do the same thing on Piney Comics when we do these like lists. You, you were on one of our shows where we talked about yeah. the, your your favorite uh, pre-1990 action figures, right? Not the best, because the best might have been something that none of us talked about, you know? Sure. 
and my year is 1979. I was looking I up. I was looking up 70. I, I'm good with years, and I think I've got some that are going to be on your list. But I'm I'm excited to hear what all ten are. Oh yeah, yeah, and the same goes at you. 1982. There's a lot of great films, and okay, I'm going to start from 1979. My number ten on the list: Star Trek: The Motion Picture. Yeah. Uh. You're a fan of that, correct, John? Yeah, uh, I am a uh, I've, I'm a come around fan to it. So I'm I'm a moderate <laughs> Star Trek fan. I do enjoy Star Trek, but I was of the belief that this is the motionless picture for <laughs> for a long time. You know, yes, and that's why it's my number ten. You know, I love Star Trek, but I have to be objective and say, okay, I have great feelings nostalgia wise. I saw this in the theater, so and I had a lot of the, the toys as a kid. But realistically, it is not the best Star Trek film. And they right. went in the wrong direction. I'm sure you you feel the same way. The, they should have gone with, I'm not going to say the movie now, but in 1982, the much better film came out. And that's how they should have started the franchise off. And when you were a kid, did any kids like Star Trek? Star Trek just as a whole? As a whole. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Okay. I, I, the way I got introduced to Star Trek was by the film from 1982 was the first thing I'd ever seen. My mom took me to see it. And, um, and then like channel nine, which was a local Connecticut channel used Mm -hmm. to show when I was maybe in fifth or sixth grade, the weekend, they would do the uh, original series, um, Friday night to Sunday night, you know, they would do nothing but play original series. And I would watch as many as I could till I'd fall asleep. And so I definitely, I, I have the love for, for particularly original series, Star Trek. Okay, well, that's good to know. Yes, it's similar because I watch it on Channel 11. Yes. On, I want to say Saturdays. So it was very young. So I knew of it. Went to see this in the theater with my, uh, my brother, father, grandfather. And my father fell asleep. <laughs> and he yeah. loved Star Trek. And yeah. he fell asleep during this. So that should kind of tell you something. Um, they... They saw the popularity of Star Wars. They're going back and forth. They're going to make it the TV series. What was it called? Phase two. Phase two. And then, right. And then, uh, what is it called? Uh, The God thing is based on a Gene Roddenberry story. Yep. And then they saw popularity of Star Wars. The problem was they didn't make it anything like Star Wars. They wanted to be what, like uh, 2001? Yeah, yeah, Uh, which they, they attempt to emulate quite a bit, you know. The going through the cloud scenes and you know which you know which lasts 46 minutes and yeah that's the problem and 2001's more exciting than the motion picture also i feel personally this felt more like a space 1999 episode i thought uh just the storyline wise it wasn't bad but it was much too long but i i still do enjoy it but it's a type of movie you have to be in a certain mood you can't just pop it in anytime and watch it that's why it's number 10 for me personally and then there was Alan Dean Foster uh, did the screenplay, correct? Yes. Yep. Which is is kind of interesting because like a lot of uh, films in 1979, they tried to piggyback off the success of Star Wars. And they had Alan Dean Foster, who uh, did a novelization of Star Wars and then wrote Splinter in the Mind's Eye. Right. I just found that just a little interesting, just something to note. Um, and I loved the one great thing we can agree is uh, the giant belt buckles they had. Oh well, yeah, and, and their and their moose knuckles hanging out of their costumes the whole time. Just, the, the movie's just chock full of penis heads popping out of like 
those disco pants. <laughs> but yes, uh, yes, it's very, very seventies. When you look at that, it's it's so it's just yeah. so that that's uh, it's interesting in that sense. And uh, Ilea was the first bald woman, the woman I ever saw, and that was kind of like just I, that just kind of struck me as uh, oh, just fascinating. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and I remember my aunt telling me at the time that uh, she actually shaved her head, the actress, which I, I was like, oh, wow, that, that's amazing to me. And now, nowadays, it's just, that's, women do it all the time now. So yeah, it's, it's not really. Uh, it's second nature now, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, my brother and I actually had Ilea t-shirts as a kid. Can you believe <laughs> that? I'll, I'll dig up the photo and show it to you one time. I'll, I'll post it actually on social media. I think people get a laugh out of that. But um that's pretty much all I have to say. If you have anything else to say about that, uh, I'll, just say, your... I'll just say yes. real quick that, um, yeah, it, it was always the motionless picture. And uh, right when we started Pine of Comics, Sir John, the original co host, he's a big, 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 big original series fan. Okay. And me and him watched it together one time. And on a very early episode of Pine of Comics, we kind of discussed it a little bit. <clears throat> and it was the first time I'd kind of seen it in a different mind view you know okay uh as more of an adult because i hadn't seen it since probably my 20s and then two years ago our buddy keith came on and we do a series called the pint movie invitational he chose it so we oh okay. we i gotta listen we, to it yeah we did an episode on the motion picture and it really raised my appreciation of it watching it again and talking about it in a full episode length to the point that last christmas my wife uh, got me the um, the art book. They did an art book for it. Okay. And it's it's all the effects and all the art and everything. So, yeah, you're right. The the 82 movie buries it. But in retrospect, it's it does have things going for it. And I can see where the nostalgia... I mean, you know, if you were a fan of the original series in any way, shape, or form, this is 10 plus years later, and you got the crew back together. You know, that, that stuff happens all the time now. But it didn't happen back then, you know? Yes. A failed TV show that lasted three seasons didn't get a movie back then, you know? No, yeah, because I got big in the reruns in the 70s. So that kind right. of, that that's what uh, made it get to the next level. So what is your number 10, John, from right. 1982? My number 10, uh, let's see here. I have it written. Uh, I have the dates, too. It's August 13th uh, of 82. Uh, um, it came out in uh, in 3D, which is the big, that was like that big, 8283 era yeah. where 3D was a big thing. Um, <clears throat> this is a nostalgia pick for several reasons. Uh, it's the first film, second film technically, the first film that I saw at our buddy Scary Larry's uh, Connecticut Cult Classic shows. Mm-hmm. Um, he did it at the uh, Friday the 13th Part 2 and Part 3 in 3D. Um, double feature. Oh, okay. It has nostalgic memories for me as a kid of me and my friends on snow days from school going over one of my buddy's houses and we would always go to the local video store and rent horror movies and this was one of the ones that I'd seen multiple times and last year during the pandemic uh, Larry Stu who's a friend of ours SWO Productions uh, Stu World Order we did all the Friday the 13th movies in a video series and so like again this is just you know it's, it's just a goofy jason slasher movie uh you know with with all all replete with all the gravy and the fixings the titties and the axes <laughs> through head, the axes through heads and you know you watch it now and even though it's not in 3d you know the constant poking at the screen 
the yo-yo, right? The yo-yo in your face. The yo-yo in the face. The uh, the, the guy you know smashing the Volkswagen window with the chain, and then it's also the one that introduces Jason to the hockey mask, which is obviously yeah. in horror fandom is the iconic imagery. Period. The end. It's like yeah. it's the one uh, that's been emulated a million times, and it's just a fun movie. And it's also uh, it's got the Henry. Uh, uh, is it Harry, Harry, or Henry? Manfredini. Manfredini. Right? Yeah, the, it's hard to pronounce that name. It, it, <laughs> he does the score, right? And yeah. this is the one that has that incredible, like, crazy disco uh, opening. The ending credits. Oh, and the end, right? And the, the bomb oh, yeah, I, I yeah. Yeah, 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 I know what you're talking about, yes. So this is definitely number 10 for me, uh, because this is almost entirely just a, um, you know, I, I hate to use the phrase, uh, guilty pleasure, but this is like a guilty pleasure. It's just, it's goofy. It's fun. Again, you know, axes in the head, you get a couple bare breasts here and there. It's all good. You know, oh, it, it's, no, it's, it's a great movie. one. It's the first, that's the first Friday 13th film I ever saw. Okay. Was, uh, was, was part three. So yeah. So you can definitely, picture, it's a good choice. You can picture the poster, you know, he's, he's stabbing through the curtain, you know, mm-hmm. it's just, it's right there. Yeah. Very good choice. Um, uh, my number nine, and I know you like this film. Okay. And he also had a film in 1982, uh, The Jerk, the Steve Martin oh, classic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't think that back when we were young, that was a very big comedy. It doesn't seem, it seems like it got lost in the shuffle over the years, but if you haven't seen it, anyone listening, go out of your way to see this. It still holds up. It's still hilarious. Do you agree, John? Oh, absolutely. I think Steve Martin's kind of image and what kind of comedian he became got a little bit further away from that crudeness, and maybe that's why it's not as... I think it's remembered, but maybe it's not always brought up right off the bat. But, um, oh no, it, this is... The jerk is... It's unreal. <laughs> it's one of my favorite comedies of all time. I'd put it up there easily my top ten comedies ever in history. I don't know about you, but it's... Uh, I would have to I would have to sift through it. It might not be top ten, but it's top twenty five. Yes. Okay. But yeah, it's uh, he's Navin Johnson, and he's a a white boy is adopted by a black family in Mississippi, but he doesn't know that he's adopted. Yeah. <laughs> and he has no rhythm trying to dance with the black family. It's just it's so ridiculous. Uh, I know you like the the job that he said he's going to get right from. Uh, he sends a oh. letter to his parents. Oh, blowjobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. He didn't know what it was. He thought it was actual work. Yeah. Yep. So, oh, it's it's just it's a rags to riches uh back to rags story. <laughs> How think, we what's that? Do you think anybody since 1979 has named their kid Naven? <laughs> I, no, no, I don't think yeah. so. And I don't think they've named their dog Shithead either. No, Shithead the dog. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, definitely, it's a great film. Uh, he had this great invention, OptiGrab, uh, that uh, unfortunately everybody he became cross-eyed. Yeah, lawsuit. He lost everything. But it, it's it's hysterical. You're absolutely right. Great movie. Great movie. And Bernadette Peters, uh, I always thought she was beautiful, too, as a youngster. Nobody mentions her. Another one of those women that always found her adorable. Yeah, no, she was gorgeous. Curly hair. Yeah, she was beautiful. And Carl Reiner. I mean, it's made by, it was made by uh, yes. Carl Reiner. You know? Right, yes. <clears throat> and he's in the film, too, when he was funny. He's uh, the cross-eyed yes. uh, <laughs> yeah. person. Okay, what's your number nine from 1982, John? 
All right, number nine, uh, February 19th of 1982. Uh, we talk on the Piney Comic Show a lot. Okay. We, we, talk, we, we talk about HBO movies that for mm-hmm. a, kid my, a kid my age, certain things were just on. When we did have HBO, we didn't always have HBO, but when we did, there were certain movies always on HBO. They play right? them. You're, you're exactly right. Like nonstop. For like a whole month, you'd see that same movie. Over and over again. If you were on summer vacation, you could get it in 109 times. And uh, one of the ones for me was uh, Wes Craven's Swamp Thing. Um, which uh, I'm, a, I'm a huge DC uh, comic fan, a huge comic fan. Swamp Thing is uh, my probably my favorite DC comic character. Um, okay. This was, you know, before Alan Moore took over and changed what the character was in the comics. This was a movie basically... That could have fit into the 50s. It's a man in a rubber suit protecting the woman he loves from the goons. You know, that's what this movie is. Um, Dick Durock is incredible uh, as, as, you know, Swamp Thing. And then the cast is great. Adrian Barbeau, who at like probably seven or six years old, I didn't realize what was happening in my pants because of her. You know, like, you know? I think we all had that, yeah, that, that same feeling back then. Yes, I think most guys our age have that feeling. Um, Ray Wise, who played Alec Holland, who went on to become more known as being a heavy, is is a really good good guy in the in the twenty minutes he's in this movie. Uh, Louis Jordan, you know, is Anton Arcane. Um, it, it's just, it's just a, I, I, and this was one. That uh, I rewatched the other night because I had I had bought the Blu-ray a couple years ago and I had not seen this in a while and I knew it was on the cusp of being on my list um, and I just wanted to watch it again with an adult eyes. I probably haven't seen this again maybe since my early 30s. Um, it's short; it's an hour and a half long. It's there's no frills, you know. It's very much, you know, kind of like uh, scientist is is uh, left for dead by these people. Uh, they steal his serum. Uh, they're after the notebook, and he's protecting the woman. That's the whole movie. But, you know, some of the effects are really good in it. The makeup effects are good in it. Um, it's over the top. You know, the the, the main bad guy, uh, the guy from, what was it, Last House on the Left, uh, the, with the curly hair, uh, David Hess. Oh, yes. You know what? I completely forgot that he was in there, because I haven't seen this movie in probably 10 or so years. Like, you're right. He's in there. Totally he's, forgot he's, about that. He's kind of at 11 when everybody else is at a 7. Um, it's, it's just, it's a really well done early comic adaptation. Um, you know, well before comic adaptations were really becoming the hot thing. I mean, that's Superman at that point. Um, and just, just little touches. I love like when the movie starts, the actual Swamp Thing logo from the comic is what they use as the logo, mm-hmm. you know, for, for the title. It, it's stuff like that. So I go with Swamp Thing 1982. You know, that was a fun day. Now I have to pop that in now. It's good. See, I'm having a fun time talking to you because now you, you forget about some of these films. Like, oh, I have to watch. I love the kid Jude in Jude, the film. Yeah. Yep. He was, he was, he was, he played it very straight and like this dry sense of humor, but he was hilarious in there. He seems like they just found a kid that like lived in the swamp <laughs> and said, you have, you have like two afternoons. And he was like, okay. <laughs> Yeah, very deadpan delivery. Yeah, so yeah. that was that, yeah, he was funny. That was that was a great. F- and everybody forgets it seems. You said Wes Craven. It seems like if you mention Wes Craven films, nobody thinks of Swamp Thing. Well, if you I, you know after having um, rewatched it, I, I was just kind of doing some research on it. He was pretty convinced that this was the end of his career. Um, mm-hmm. He he just he, he he did it out of a need for money. 
and it was like a year and a half before Nightmare on Elm Street reinvented him. So yeah. he was kind of like at, at, at this point where things weren't working out so well for him, but he got some good notice notice because, you know, the people he made the movie for, they told him, keep it on budget and get it out in time. And he did all that. So it, it, he, he credits this movie kind of with being hard and, you know, kind of like, like rough on him, but at the same time, kind of giving him the opportunity to do more stuff. Okay. Okay, I'll go with my number eight. Rocky 2. A great sequel, which Rocky was huge. And I don't think anybody was thinking, because a lot of sequels, especially at that time, they weren't very good. This was a great sequel. And uh, Sylvester Stallone directed this one. He didn't direct the first one. He wrote the first one. This one he actually wrote and directed. Uh, I love it. Uh, I'm not sure what your opinion is, John. Do you enjoy this? I love Rocky Two. I think Rocky Two, you just said it. It's 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 not only a great sequel. It's one of the underrated great sequels because no matter how great Rocky was, you know we all know the ending. And in the ending of Rocky, the important part is love wins, and he doesn't, you know. But he he, he doesn't win the match, but he wins the important part. But in the end, it doesn't matter. You still want to see him win, right? Yeah. And that and Rocky Two delivers that. So perfect. Yeah, and it follows immediately after uh, their fight, the fight he had with Apollo Creed, and it shows how Rocky has all this money now because of the fight. He he kind of blows it. He buys a Trans Am. He buys watches for everyone, even though he says yeah. he doesn't know how to really tell time. But he bought himself a watch, uh, this jacket with a tiger on it, really gaudy, uh, new house. Uh, then he gets this endorsement deal. You kind of feel, you really start to really feel for the character because he, uh, he gets this endorsement deal for Beast Aftershave, dressed as a caveman, and the director is, like, not kind to him at all when he, yeah. because Rocky can't read. He doesn't he doesn't admit that, but he's trying to read off the cue cards, which the director calls dummy cards, and Rocky got very yeah. insulted. What do you mean dummy cards? <laughs> and he goes, you said this smells like a man? I don't think it smells like a man. <laughs> but yeah, so, I mean, it's it's... It, it's one of those movies, like you said before, about rewatchability. I could still pop this in, watch it, and still have a great time like I did years ago. It, it, it just doesn't get old. Uh, I like the story how he, so that endorsement deal doesn't work, which he thought was going to be paying his bill, so he had to try and look for other jobs. He tries to get an office job. They tell him you don't have a high school education, so you can't get that. Then he goes back to the meat plant. Then he gets laid off. Then he starts working at the gym again. Then he he gets married to Adrian, and he has a son. So then he to make ends meet, he has to train. Even though he promised Adrian he wouldn't fight again, he has to pay the bills. So he does start fighting again. He trains with Mickey. Uh, classic scene is where he chases the chickens uh, yeah. for his training. Grease lightning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're going to eat lightning, crap, thunder. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it's and then we had the rematch, and then – Rocky actually wins, uh, and that's the classic line: "Yo, Adrian, we did it." Yeah. So that that's why that's it's my number eight. And, uh, what's your memories of it? Anything else you want to add? Yeah, just it's it's like you said, it's a great sequel. Uh, Stallone directed it. Obviously, he wrote the first one, so this is him taking you know further control. I think he knew what people wanted to see out of the story. They wanted to, they you know, did they want to see it go to Rocky Seven or whatever? Probably not. And I, I was even more checked out by four. 
um, you know, a five I never liked. I thought six was I thought six was a good six was a nice little end cap, you know, when you go back to him as an older guy. Um, but I will say two one of the things I loved about two, which you know, you 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 get in sequels sometimes is it's one of those sequels that starts immediately when the other movie ends, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're being carted into the ambulances. And I love that scene. I haven't seen it in a while, but I think are they in the ambulance or are they in the hallway? I'm trying to see it. I ain't gonna give you no rematch. He's like, I don't want no rematch. Yeah, like, they're arguing in wheelchairs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It shows the end of the fight from the first film. Then it shows them going to the hospital. Yeah, and then they're arguing in wheelchairs, Apollo and Rocky, which is really funny. Yeah, I just always like that line with like, you know, I ain't giving you no rematch. Like, I don't want no rematch. You know, like, like it's th- that was enough. Like Apollo knew that he couldn't have held on any longer, and Rocky kind of knew that he couldn't have done any better than he did. Um, but yeah, Rocky Two, for sure, is one of the best uh, uh, sequels of the early day of, of early days of sequels. Yeah. All right, John. What's your number eight for nineteen eighty two? All right, number eight came out on October twenty second. Uh, directed by a guy named Ted Kotcheff, and okay. starring a guy we just talked about, Sylvester Stallone. Uh, uh, they drew first blood. I didn't. First blood. <laughs> um, okay. All right, this is before, you know, this is just a weird movie. It's, it's, you know, this story of a sullen Vietnam vet who comes home and, you know, is, is harassed <laughs> to no extent by mm-hmm. basically the sheriff of this one town. And all he wants to do is just go, go see a friend. He finds out the friend had died, Asian orange poisoning, you know, he kind of, kind of, you know, because it's so close to the time. So it was all very fresh. And he just wants to go into town and, you know, have a meal and whatever, you know, go go stay in a hotel for the night. And this sheriff doesn't want, you know, this long-haired kind of, you know, guy. And it, it just becomes this thing where it's the town versus Rambo, right? And, uh, you know, you, you bring in, uh, what's his name, Richard uh, Richard Crenna as, uh, as the colonel who is there to tell these town people, you don't know who you're fucking with, right? <laughs> and and in all honesty, I mean, it's it's a movie that birthed a character that is iconic to American pop culture, you know, like John Rambo. You know, everybody knows John Rambo. Um, I think, unfortunately, more people probably are familiar with Rambo from the second movie, which is I never cared for. Like okay. that was like there was that point in in history where everybody on Earth loved Rambo, like the, the '85 Rambo was like. Rambo First Blood Part Two. And I was always like, eh, it's okay. But you know what? I, I was more interested in, you know, what was going on in, in the first one. You know, yeah, there's is there some sullen overacting? Sure, when he's when he's inaudibly talking about like the shoeshine boy blowing up his friend and you know, but like it's it's this kind of like sullen ending to this action movie where, you know, the guy is cornered and he's just telling a story of like like his life and where he's at. There's no big shootout. You know, it ends. It ends. There's 10 more minutes of it's different. You know, it's different. It's another it's another one. Uh, I'll throw it out there. We did that with our friend Andrew Morgan. He picked okay. that a few years ago. And I, again, it just it sticks with me. So uh, first blood, I'm going to go with first blood. I haven't seen that movie since I was a kid, so I only have very vague memories of it. But I did love it at the time. It's one of the few times it's actually allowed to have a weapon. Uh, they sold those uh, Rambo oh, knockoff yeah. survival knives, so I, I was allowed to have one of those because I 
convince my parents, well, look, it's got a compass on it. You can open it up. It's got, uh, you know, waterproof matches. And so, uh, <laughs> and I, then, the, yeah, <laughs> did you have one I, of those knives too? No, it's like you're, you're telling your parents, like, I can kill neighborhood cats with it. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, no, ah! no. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, so the, and then it did. Yeah, it spawned how many sequels? It was there a lot now because they just recently made another Rambo movie. Yeah, so there was the first three, four, five. Um, and I will say, I you know, two is this huge movie written by James Cameron. Everybody loves it. I never really cared for it. You know, where he goes back to Vietnam. Three is the one where he's in Afghanistan. Never really cared for it. Yes. Four, which is the one they did like twenty years later where he's like in Thailand, was actually a pretty good movie. And then the last one, uh, which I did watch, uh, it's not great. It's it's essentially, if you ever see it, you'll know what I'm talking about. It's uh, Home Alone starring John Rambo. It's, it's... <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't see the last one, so yeah, uh, I'm going to check it out just for... Watch it at some point, and uh, yeah. you're, you're not going to go, boy, I needed to see that. <laughs> And it did spawn actually a cartoon in action figures. You remember that also? Rambo, so it was it was a hot property. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Now that's now I have to rewatch it because I haven't seen First Blood in such a long time. Yeah, I would say do it. I'd say check it out. All right. Uh, now my number seven. And I know you like this film because we talked about it a little bit on your podcast. The episode is on with the action figures. The the black hole. Oh, I just rewatched that the other night. Yeah. Yep. This was uh, one of the reasons why I said before, 1979 had a lot of Star Wars ripoffs or, you know, or just sci-fi because of the popularity of Star Wars. And I actually saw Star Wars in 1979. It's the first time I saw the the re-release. So I can't count that as a... (laughs) But But I can't count the knockoff, the black hole. Yep. that Disney made to try and capitalize on the popularity. And the ironic thing is now Disney doesn't have to do that because they own Star Wars now. But uh, at the time, this was a big deal for a little kid to see all these sci-fi movies. Uh, what's that? I love the story. Tell everyone, uh, you're, this, is this the first film you saw in the theaters, The Black Hole? First movie, yep. Middletown Movie House. I would have been, uh, this came out in December of 79, I would have been four years old. So okay. four years old, first first movie my parents took me to see in the theaters. Yep. And uh, one scene uh, made you cry, the death oh, of a character. I didn't remember I told you that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, old Bob. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, they meet Old Bob. You know, you've got Vincent, who is, um, you know, like kind of like the R2-D2 knockoff on the Palomino on the ship. And uh, when they get to the Cygnus, which is the ship in the black hole, they meet um, Old Bob, who is a similar robot to Vincent, but he's this fucking, he'll say a trash can. And he's, he's voiced by Slim Pickens. Oh, hi, hi there, Vincent, you know? And, uh, yeah, so he's all beat up. He's got one leg and he looks, he looks like Oscar the Grouch. Except he does actually. Form. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he looks like a little trash can. He's all beat up. Cause all the other robots beat him up. Right. Isn't that like the story, like star, Star uh, abused him, yeah, and and uh, you know he just gets beaten, the shit beaten out of him, and yeah, at the end of the movie, he uh, he sacrifices himself so that they can get away, and uh, the way he dies, he you know they have these kind of like these like a, a lid for a, like a helmet like lid type thing, then their eye band, and they have these like ping pong ball eyes, and uh, and 
his he dies, and when he dies, his uh, his lid drops and his eyes disappear, and uh, and they're like, Vince, we have to go. And uh, oh yeah, my parents had to, you know. And this is like maybe one of my earliest memories ever, but I remember being hysterical in the movie theater, and my really? parents like, oh yeah, like it it it, it was probably the, what I could say the first on-screen death that I could think of. Like many people could probably say Bambi's mom or something. I don't remember any of that. Okay. Vi- uh, old Bob, <laughs> old Bob dying in the black hole. Holy shit! And then and then on the inverse half. One of the first things I was ever afraid of in my life was Maximilian. Um, terrified. Like, terrified. That's the thing that's... Uh, Maximilian, he... Yeah, you knew he was, like, a very like, ruthless robot when he uh, he had his little propellers go through the notebook that uh, Anthony Perkins was holding. Do you remember that? The little... Uh, oh, yeah. The clipboard. So, yeah, so he was, he was very vicious. Uh, and we also have our favorite actor. Uh, he had a great 70s uh, mustache in there, Ernest Borgnine. I have to Ernest mention Borg. him. But yeah, <laughs> but yeah, and it's a movie. Now you said you rewatched it recently, last week. Yeah, so last okay. week I, uh, yep. I think a lot of the models, some of the some of the effects still hold up. Some of it still visually, I think, looks great. The last, I mean, um, the last ten minutes when they're going through the black hole, there's some imagery in there that's like downright creepy. Like there's the whole, if you remember, like Vincent and uh, I'm sorry, not Vincent, Maximilian. And the doctor, their bodies combine, and yes. the doctor is inside. You can see the eyes. Yeah, Reinhardt. Yeah, Reinhardt. And then he's he's on like this like mountaintop, and it's obviously hell. Like this is, I'm I'm kind of glad that I probably didn't see this at four years old because I probably would have been uh, like crazily affected by that. It's it's kind of scary. Um, and it's funny. I wanted to, I just wanted to throw this out there. I don't know if you, you might have this as a note. Is that you picked two movies that actually had overtures? Um, Star Trek the motion picture and the black hole have like a couple minute overture that started each movie. If you're okay, it's just it's just a theme and like kind of a black screen, and then you get into the credits. Both of those movies are okay. two of the last movies that did that. As a matter of fact, yeah. Okay, that's a good. That's a, uh, the other thing though, because now you're making me think now. And also, Alan Dean Foster did a novelization. Of uh, of the black hole, I mentioned oh, him before. Yeah, yeah. so it's just another, but yeah, it's you're right though. It is it's a pretty deep film for they're trying to market this towards kids. They made action figures. You had the, the Vincent action figure, right? That's one of your favorite yeah. action figures as uh, a kid on my, on my list. Yeah, I loved it. Yep. So it is a pretty deep film for small children. If you well, really yeah, think about it. And, and for Disney, you know, if you think about it, and one of the things about this movie is that this movie push Disney to create touchstones, touchstone pictures so that they could start doing stuff outside of the Disney banner that might be a little bit more adult because like, really it's, this is a live action Disney movie. And even though there's no blood, like you said, Maximilian kills Anthony Perkins. Like, yeah, the expression horribly. on his face. Yeah. If you see, horribly. they, they don't show blood yet, but they zoom in on his face and yeah, you know, he's in pain. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's getting his guts torn in half, you know? And then, and then like his body falls into this pit, that's like all electrified and everything. It's like <laughs> this is this is crazy for a Disney movie. Yeah. Yeah, and they have the the humanoids are pretty much zombies, right? So the like android oh, yeah. zombies. So yeah, and this was PG, which right, and which isn't. Uh, I believe so. Yeah. Yep. Which isn't the norm for Disney. So, and and I I don't know if you remember, but I this is one thing I saw at hand the Hamden Mart 
movie theater. It was a double feature with Sleeping Beauty. Uh, no, I think when I saw it, it was just a single. Okay. Uh, as far as I remember, and, and honestly, my parents like aren't weren't the type of people to bring me the double feature. They probably okay. would have just been like, or, or maybe <laughs> maybe that was their reasoning to get out of sleep. <laughs> He's freaking out already. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. What's your number seven, John, from 1982? All right. December 17th, this was released. Um, this is a movie that I still love, but I kind of said earlier that there's some movies that are like the nostalgia factor's high. I still respect and love the movie, but it, it's kind of harder to watch because it's dark. Uh, the Dark Crystal. Um, okay. All right. I love Jim Henson. Uh, I'm a Muppets fan through and through. I grew up with all that stuff, and um, he made a couple of movies in the uh, in the '80s. One being Dark Crystal, and then later he made Labyrinth. And I think you're either a fan of one or the other for the most part. I didn't like Labyrinth. Um, I was never really a fan. I always thought of that more as like a fairy tale and more of, you know, as a young guy, I thought more of that, that more as a girl's movie. Yes. The Dark, the Dark Crystal is this amazing fucking movie that's, you know, got this really insane backstory and history and you know, really when it comes down to it, it's it's basically saying, if you think about it, like the, the crystal, which is like this energy force that binds this world together, gets fractured. So when this like, when this totem, I guess, of love and like energy and, and all the good things in the world gets fractured, it goes to show how bad the world can get because then, you know, it just goes to, to shit. The Skeksis show up. They're these evil vultury creatures. Like the scene, the scene in this movie that always sticks to me as a kid, it frightened me. And even when I watch it as an adult, is when that one Skeksis, he does something and they strip him of his clothes. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And he's he's on the ground, and he's shaking because they're they're just these little like birds, but they're big on like all the ornate stuff and you know the um yeah. So it's it, it's a it's a hero's journey, but I mean again. This movie came out in 1982. I'm seven years old. I know I saw this in the theaters. You know, characters die. They get, re you know, resurrected. Um, it, it's it's there's insane. slaves in there, right? I'm trying to, I haven't Those, seen a lot. There's slaves there's in there. The little, the little slaves that the, 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 um, the Skeksis use these, like, pieces of the crystal to suck their essence of their soul out. And it shows them, like, going from, like, these round-cheeked, happy little, like, you know, humanoids to these sullen... Fuck this movie is dark, um, and you know what? I'll be honest. I still love it. I bought it on Blu-ray a couple years ago, and I've watched it a couple times since. And it's never. It's still a great movie. It's never a fun viewing. You know, it, it's heavy, um, and, and so much so that like a couple years ago, as much as I love this, when Netflix did that like multi-part series mm -hmm. i just never watched it uh, two reasons one we've talked about this before i'm bad with episodic tv but number two like i don't know i don't know if like sometimes i feel like being like kicked and thrown down a set of stairs every week <laughs> you know? like, yeah yeah you know what i mean so so i i i, I numbers dark crystals number seven and i love it but it's definitely a harder watch as an adult right definitely a harder watch as an adult yeah, no, I, I loved it. Yeah, I saw that in the theaters also. Uh, what is this other characters? They're almost like these giant, like, beetle. Yeah, um, the, well, there's the Landstriders, which were those, like, giant white um, kind of horse animals that they rode. Okay. 
And then, yeah, I can't remember the name of the Beatles, but they're the, the warrior, the Garib. Maybe they're oh, the yeah. they're the warrior race. They're like crabs. Yeah, and then you got the the Gelflings, which are you know the heroes that we follow. The girl has the wings, and, and yeah, it's it's just an insane. Like if you're a fan of world building, right? There's no way you cannot enjoy this movie because it is such a deep world. But it's also just it's a, it's a dark movie. It's a dark movie. Yeah, and the puppetry is amazing in there too. Yeah. I mean that these it's aren't unreal. Yeah, and, uh, one of the memorable scenes also is when they're eat the Skeksis are eating uh, dinner together. Yeah, <laughs> it's just gross. like eating blobs. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, I, I definitely have to rewatch that. But yeah, I loved that as a kid, and I agree with you when you said how you like Labyrinth or uh, Dark Crystal. My wife has no interest in the Dark Crystal, but she loves Labyrinth. Right, right. It's, <laughs> it's a happier movie, right? Yep, yep. Someone brought we did Labyrinth on the show as well. And the person that brought it on, a friend of ours, a young lady. So, I mean, oh, again, okay. I'm, not, I'm not trying to point it out, but I think that one might have been the Henson film that, like, just was more geared towards towards a young girl crowd. And the Dark Crystal was just geared towards, like, miserable emo goth kids. <laughs> I don't know who the fuck it was geared towards. Yeah. It's, it's rough. <laughs> All right. That was a good pick. Uh, I'm going to go my number six. Um this is the film. Uh, my brother called me up just a couple weeks ago, actually. Uh, he didn't even know we were doing this episode at the time. He goes, I just want to thank you for wasting two hours of my life. Oh, boy. I said, what are you talking about? He goes, you've been saying this movie's great for years, and I never saw it until now. I finally watched it. I'm like, well, what movie? Phantasm. Okay, all right. <laughs> I, I said, what are you talking about? I said, this movie's great. He's like, oh, movie's terrible. But I mean... <laughs> I don't know what your opinion is, but I it's just such a strange movie. I love uh Angus Grimm as a tall man, the character. Yeah, boy. Uh, I mean, he's just very I, I love the the balls, the killer balls that have like you know, the blades on it. Uh they have a uh, even though this isn't it is science fiction. It is science fiction fiction because he is from another planet. You do have uh Star Wars ripoff again. He has these little ja- <laughs> yes, they look they look exactly like Jawas. How they he kills humans, a tall man, and then shrinks them down. And he reanimates them to be slaves to do his bidding in in his planet because um, the mentality is supposed to be the the gravity lowers right and uh, and the heat. So that's why he has to make them small to go into his planet, which I thought right. was strange. <laughs> but that was the the reason behind it. And they have to go through these little two metal these little posts that he has yeah. in the mortuary. So if, if you go through it, it's just, you go through this, you know, uh, the other planet. I always enjoyed it. I actually prefer the sequel more. And if you've ever seen Phantasm two, John long time ago, long time. Okay. Ago. Yeah. But, uh, but I, I enjoyed it. I mean, it got popular. It spawned four sequels. It's still very, very memorable and talked about in the horror community. Uh, and I'm not a car guy, but uh, there's a, was it 71? Plymouth Barracuda in the film. That's my number six. Yeah. Uh, I, I saw it as a kid. It was way over my head. You okay. Know, like 10, 12 years old. And because it is, it's a heady movie. Like what's happening in this movie is it's odd. Um, and uh, again, Sir John, the, uh, the old host of Pine of Comics with me. Okay. Huge fan of all the movies. He's, he's okay. one of these guys that like, if I guess if you watch them all the way around, they, it kind of is a circular story and, you know, you got it. You got to go all the way around. 
And I was always like, whatever, man. I saw one and it was over the head. <laughs> and then, like, maybe three years ago, Larry did a double feature with Phantasm and Bubba Hotep, which is another uh, Don um, uh, Coscarelli oh, film. <clears throat> so I had not seen. Uh, hold on. <clears throat> Excuse me. I had not seen Phantasm since I was a kid, and I actually enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, it, it's it's super odd, like you said, the, he's shrinking people down, sending them to this other dimension. <laughs> you know, uh, the balls and all this stuff happening. There's this weird, like, whole like five minute scene where you're first introduced to you know the friend Reggie, and they're just playing a song on the porch. Oh yeah, yeah, they're playing guitar. <laughs> you're like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> Someone forgot to edit this, but no, it's it's a fun movie. It's definitely a fun movie. All right. Now for 1982, what's your number six, John? Number six came out on October 22nd, which is the same day as First Blood. Uh, Directed by a guy named Tommy Lee Wallace. Okay. Oh, I know what this is. Third movie in a series that nobody understood what the fuck was happening, I'm sure, in 82 when they went to go see it. Because it's Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, uh, which does not feature Michael Myers at all. Uh, well, technically, technically, he's on TV for a second. He's on TV right? for a second during the commercial, you're right, yeah. for, to watch Halloween 1. But <laughs> essentially, uh, you know, I hope, John, with all my heart, that uh, Carlos Danger from um, our friends, the Insufferable Bastards, listen to this because they hate this fucking movie. Um, <laughs> They think it's they think it's a hipster thing to say you like it. I totally disagree. Um, first time I ever saw this movie was probably like on Channel Twenty one night when I was probably fifteen years old. Uh, okay. sat- Saturday night movie, and I thought that again, kind of like Phantasm. This is a weird fucking movie, right? So you get this like wizard from Ireland <laughs> who <laughs> who's stealing Stonehenge pieces, bringing them over to America. With the sole intention to reenact this devilish right to murder all the children in America and the world. Um, and the only people to fight it are this schlubby sex machine doctor. There's androids in it. Um, it's got a it's got a great ambiguous ending. Um, and it's just I, I think it's really good. I think it's was thought of as a failure for so long because, you know. But you can't do that. You can't necessarily come out with Halloween three and have it be different. Oh yeah, movie, if they did it for two, people might be more accepting to it. If they and did I, it for two, you're absolutely right. They, people might have said, "Oh, Halloween is an anthology thing." You know? Okay, first one was a serial killer. Look, think about it in TV. Uh, I don't watch it, but American Horror Story. Every yeah, season, yeah. Every season is still called American Horror Story. But from season one on, they changed up the you know the the setting and the idea and the plot. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so you get two Halloween movies in, and all of a sudden Michael Myers is like this is is an icon of, of horror. And then the third one, you're like it's about Stonehenge. <laughs> so I get where people might have an issue with it, but I think if you sit down and really watch it, it holds up. It's a great you know it's a great '80s movie, right? It, it, and it just it it there's just so many so much memorable stuff. Icon, uh, yeah, kind of icon, uh, iconography. I think, like of the masks, right? The pumpkin, the witch. And oh the, yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's fantastic. Um, I've always loved it, uh, and it's just it's a fun movie. It's a fun movie. It it didn't do well, and part four, you know, was was the return of Michael Myers, 
Um, I'd rather watch this than that or almost anything that came after in the Halloween series, you know, any day of the week. I, uh, you're probably on the same page as I am. One and three are the only relevant ones, and the rest are just kind of like filler. Are, are you on the same page with that or not really? I, or? I enjoy two. I enjoy two. Yeah, I, um, I didn't. I thought it was just kind of thrown, and then found out later it was just thrown together by John Carpenter. Right. It, it's a, it's a, to me, two is a more of a, a slasher movie. You know what I mean? Like, it is. Because, yeah. You know, because Friday the 13th had come out by then and Halloween was reacting to it, but I still enjoyed it. You know, do I necessarily enjoy, you know, the idea that we had to try to make him brother and sister? Not necessarily, but, <laughs> but in terms of sequels, um, the first one is, is a five star movie, right? It's, it's incredible. Um, and to me, Halloween 2 is as, inoffensive a sequel as you could get like i enjoyed it you know i i don't leave it going man they really fucked that up um and then and then three you know i think three and and i think Stu, our buddy Stu that we've talked about has okay. said it before that if they had just called it season of the witch yeah, yeah don't yeah exactly don't mention it, anything about halloween people will be right. fine with it yep absolutely but yeah um you know when you were younger did people like it because i liked it at the time no everybody had the same mentality oh michael myers isn't i don't like it yeah, I, I, I mean, I think it's still the same way. I honestly think, it, think it's still the same way. I think, I think it's got hardcore fans, and then people that think it's fucking horrible. Um, the problem with the people that think it's horrible, I wonder how many of them haven't watched it in a while or haven't given it a chance because it's not Michael Myers. Yeah, probably right? since they were a kid, they just said, oh, "I'm done. I'm never going to watch it again." I'm out. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I love it, and yeah, Tom Atkins is. <laughs> The women love him in all these movies, huh? Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't get. Well, I guess it makes sense. It makes sense in this one because it turns out he's fucking a robot the whole time. So. <laughs> it does make sense in that regard. Uh, okay, I'm gonna go for now for uh, number five. Uh, mentioned this when I was on your action figure episode, Moonraker. Ah, yes, Bond. James Bond. <laughs> uh, this is uh, the film now. They're originally uh, they're going to have uh, For Your Eyes only come out. But because Star was so popular, they completely went in a totally different direction and said, okay, let's make Moonraker, make a sci-fi film and cash in on that. So that's the reason why they made uh, Moonraker. And they brought back the villain Jaws. I love that character. I, I love the whole space shuttle thing. Uh Bond has this cool wrist dart, if you remember. They have uh, this laser battle at the end. Uh, just it, it's, I, it's one of those movies I could still watch to this day and just enjoy it. Yeah, this is one I have not seen in so long that my commentary is hard on it. Um, oh, that's I, fine. I did buy uh, during the pandemic. I bought the um, the big twenty four Bond Blu ray set. Okay. Um, and I have the intention. At one point, I had the intention of doing a uh, an episode for every movie, and <laughs> that's kind of yeah. tough. But yeah. I do have the intention to run through them again. And Moonraker will be great because I probably have not seen that since I was fifteen years old. Oh, okay, yeah, it's fun. I mean, you'll get a kick out of it now, especially as an adult watching some of these scenes that are so ridiculous. Right. Yeah, because Spy Who Loved Me ends with the blurb: "James Bond will return for your for your eyes only." Correct. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And then they they jammed. Moonraker in, and then Fury Eyes only was after Moonraker. Later, yes. Right, right. Yep. Yeah, so that, that Star Wars, the popularity boy, you could see all these movies in 1979. Uh, they... <laughs> you, you fucking, well, I mean, look, you 
you know, all, most of these studios passed it up too. So it's like yeah. they passed up a license to print money. You know, like like all these studios that passed up the Star Wars toys. Like, no, fuck that. We're not making those. Star oh, yeah, toys. Migo, who made the Moonraker. Yeah, they. he has a story saying he was in Japan, and then he kind of – he changes stories back and forth. He could have gotten the rights if he wanted to. Oh, but yeah. He, he only, want... <laughs> he only does establish – yeah, he only does – if you look at – they only did established properties, Migo. Like, you know, Happy Days or Star Trek. Right. It has to be already established. Then you know, then they started taking some chances later, but it was it was too late at that point, you know. All right, for 1982, John, what do you have for your number five pick? All right, it came out on August 13th. Um, it was only released in, I think, uh, from what I read, the western half of the country because they didn't think it was going to play large across the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after a couple weeks of um, of being out. They realized they had a hit on their hands. Uh, Amy Heckerling directed it, uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Oh, um, that's that's awesome. It's a great movie. As I mentioned, there's a dearth of comedies. This is one of those movies that I would describe in a couple different ways. It's it's a great teenage comedy. It's a great hang movie. Like, when you watch it, you almost feel like you're there with the characters. Um, incredible soundtrack. You know, you've got, you know, Joe Jackson and, and, you know, is she really going out with him and stuff like that? Um, a great cast. I mean, you know, you Sean Penn, uh, yes, Jason Lee, uh, <clears throat> uh, you know, Eric Stoltz in a little role, Anthony Edwards. Um, you know, you've got all these people that are in this thing. And then, you know, in all honesty, let's not lie about it. You know, probably the most memorable nude scene. <laughs> Of of if not all time the eighties with you know Phoebe Cates coming out of the out of the um the pool out of the uh, the pool you know uh, Brad getting caught you know jerking off while watching her <laughs> you, you gotta wonder how many young guys in nineteen eighty five watching this on D, on on VHS were also caught in the same situation <laughs> um, but it's it's just it's a really good. You know, there's some heavy shit in it. Like, I rewatched this this summer. I hadn't seen it in a while. You know, maybe like five years or so. Jennifer Jason Lee's character gets an abortion at one point. She's treated like shit by guys, and she lets herself be treated like shit by guys. Um, you know, there's the one guy that really does love her. Um, you get to watch uh, Brad Hamilton, the uh, Judge Reinhold character's life of being like this, like, you know, big, big shot, you know, fast food king you know, kind of slowly slip into to nothingness, loses his girlfriend. It's just a really, really good movie. Um, and written by a young Cameron Crowe, uh, you know, who, who ended up going on and making Jerry Maguire and, um, you know, uh, Almost Famous and a ton of other things. It's just, it's a great movie. Are you, you're, you're a fan, right? I'm assuming. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Who else is it? Ray Walston, right? That's uh, Mr. Hand. Mr. Hand, yeah. Aloha, Mr. Hand. Yeah. yeah. So I'm trying to think. Yeah, it's oh, it's it's definitely up there as one of the funniest comedies, and has the rewatchability. You yeah. put, you know, pop it in, you still watch it. Uh, who's the character of uh, Victor Moan? That's the guy who sells all the uh, the concert tickets, right? Uh, it, it's is yeah, that, it's Mike right? Demone. Mike Demone. Mike Demone. Okay, that's yeah, cool. he's. He's a character. When you go back and watch the movie, you were like, a lot of these kids passed. Like, Jennifer Jason Lee was, I think, 15 when she made it, or 16. 
But then the guy who plays Mike Damone's like forty six. Like it, it, <laughs> it's, it's it's totally obvious. But yeah, no, it's still a great movie. Still a great movie. Oh yeah, no, it's fun. It's, it was and Forrest Whitaker too, right? Forrest the other, the... Yeah, he plays Jefferson. Yeah, when they they uh, they they uh, Sean Penn's character uh, Joy rides with his car and destroys <laughs> it. They make, they make it look like the opposing team did it. And he kills, he kills everybody on the football field. Yeah, it's great. Oh yeah, no, that's that was that's definitely a good pick. And I, that's probably saw it maybe a couple of years ago. That's a, a movie where if I just sit down, I flip the channels on TV, I'll just stop what I'm doing and I'll just finish wherever it is. You know, at that yeah. point. Yep. All right, I'm gonna go my number four now. Now, this one, uh, most people, if they know it, they know it as a television series, but it did have a theatrical uh, opening, and it's slightly different from the television uh, version, Buck Rogers in the 25th Century. Yep, yep. I fan, never you're saw a theater. Oh, uh, uh, I didn't either. Uh, uh, it, it played at the Middletown Movie House, where, and the only reason I know this is because a good friend of mine told me that uh, he's a couple years older than me, that, that when him and his brother moved into Middletown in 1979, that's the first thing they saw at the theater. So oh, really? I was always familiar that that had come out in the movies in a, in a slightly different version. And yes, Buck Rogers was one of my favorite shows of all time. Uh, one of the, one of my biggest childhood fears d- derived from an episode of Buck Rogers. So yeah, I absolutely love Buck Rogers. Yeah, so this, uh, the difference between this and the, the, they put the television episode was a two parts, I want to say. And they cut out the, they made an action figure of um, Draco, but he's yeah. only in the movie for like 30 seconds, if that. And the television version, they completely cut him out. Oh, okay. <laughs> Which he's the big, makes the no big sense. Guy, like, he has like a tattooed face or something? No, um, that's Tiger Man. Tiger Man, okay, uh, all right. Yeah, uh, who was it? Joseph Wiseman, who was also in uh, Doctor No. He played Draco, but you, but literally, if you blink, you'll miss him. There's like a hologram of him in the movie version only, but he's never on TV. So okay. just that, that's a that's one of the differences. And there's a different opening scene in the movie that has Aaron Gray almost like dancing on this, like you know, moving around on a platform in this bathing suit with a different, this really bad theme song that they cut out. That's okay. not the the TV version, so. Which uh, anyone our age was in love with Aaron Gray, I'd say. Yeah. It's pretty safe oh, yeah. to say. <laughs> <Wilma> Deering. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, oh, with Tiger Man, and there's, if you ever rewatch this in the, anytime in the future, there's two different Tiger Mans in the movie also. There's a big, oh, huge right. guy, and then towards the end, there's a totally different actor. You can see he's a chubby guy. It's a big, jacked up <laughs> guy at the beginning, and, the, and this chubby guy at the end. Apparently, the first guy, Duke Butler, they saw him at Universal Studios, and they said, oh, this guy looks great. He should be in the movie. And then I guess SAG found out he's not an actual actor, so he couldn't do anymore. He, like, disappeared, too. He went back home, and all this stuff happened, so they had to get another actor to play <laughs> this other part. He thought so he was done filming, guy? too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah that makes sense. But, yeah, that's another, again, Star Wars-inspired uh, film. And TV series uh, had the C-3PO R2-D2 character uh, Twiki with Dr. Theopolis. Yes. Very memorable. And you had uh, Mel Blanc do the voice of Twiki. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, and I, this is a, 
instead of stormtroopers, they had the draconian guards that look like samurais. Do you remember yeah. those? Yes, I do. I had the figures yeah. as a kid. Yeah, I was yeah. I was a huge fan, right? And that that was the that was the series that like inexplicably retooled after the first season and changed like totally different second yeah Yeah. totally different they turned into star trek the second season and then hawk just (laughs) i love hawk yeah yeah so yeah so that's my number four and the way we're talking uh, you're definitely a fan as well i could tell oh yeah i I mentioned real quickly that uh as a kid one of my the things i was most afraid of in the world was oh yeah the the vorvan Oh, the space vampire! Jesus Christ, man! I was I that that episode that episode really? would, oh would send me would send me running and and a funny story. So like um like twenty years ago, right? Like you know, I'm in my mid twenties. I'm off of work one day, and Sci-Fi used to do the the marathons of different mm-hmm. things. They had, they had Buck Rogers on, and it was like I was off from work, but I had to do something in the morning. So I was home. I was up and Adam at like a weird time, like nine a.m. I'd gone out, I'd come home, turn on the TV, Buck Rogers is on, and they're like, next episode, and it's the Vorvon episode, and I'm like, oh my god, I, ha- I haven't thought about this in a long time. <laughs> I couldn't even watch it. I got like, <laughs> I got like seven or eight minutes in, and I just went, it's making me feel oogie, and it's ridiculous. Look up look up Vorvon on, on YouTube, if you're listening out there, and it's it's just so stupid, but like for, at the time, probably a seven-year-old kid. You you had me. You had me. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, John. For nineteen eighty two, what's your number four pick? All right. Number four through number one is where my list gets really tough to yeah. discern, right? To, to discern what is above each other. Um, but I'm gonna go with my number four. Uh released on May the fourteenth, based on a classic series of pulp novels, which we're also at one point a huge Marvel series uh, of comic books directed by John Milius and uh, the starring debut of a bodybuilder from Austria named Mr. Arnold Schwarzenegger it is Conan the Barbarian. Um, God damn, I love this movie. It's it, it's just it, it's just this violent epic uh, film. There's really no other way to put it. And it's the first time we get, you know, Schwarzenegger. Um, and uh, James Earl Jones plays, uh, you know, uh, the, the villain um, who's actually, if I remember correctly, uh, not a Conan villain, but a Call the Conqueror villain. But I oh, think okay. Robert Howard wrote both of those. I think there was some kind of rights issue. So, uh, but, you know, he, he's, he's the snake priest. Um He's stealing, you know, the, the girls from the different villages and you get Conan's origin story in here. And, you know, he gets taken by the by by the um the horde of the snake priest and he's forced to turn the wheel every day of his life until, you know, it, it's just it's an epic story. You you get the origin of this character, you get to find out his motivations, you get to find out all the cool stuff like where he gets the sword. Um it's it's incredibly violent, you know, heads getting knocked off, uh there, there's some effects in this movie that I would I would go to say like there's this he gets killed halfway through the movie and they re-raise him through magics and it's garbage like the scene where he comes back <laughs> to life is it's it's like it's all kind of animated and it's not great but it doesn't matter because it's such a good movie um and I just I love it I always have loved it um 
it's one of the first hard R movies I think I ever saw as a kid. And I remember wanting to see it. I remember like my older friends saying, Oh yeah, you know, you know, it's, it's, you know, there's, there's Conan has sex in it. And, you know, <laughs> you know, if you remember correctly, he fucks that, like that w- witch werewolf woman that he throws in the fire. And, uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah I haven't seen also, it in a while, but it is a great film though. Oh, it's great. And, and it, that was where it ended because <clears throat> that's a hard R rated movie. Couple years later, they wanted to get out there, and they they made the next one was PG thirteen, and it was it was not very Conan good. Conan the Destroyer, yeah, it was nowhere near as good. Yeah, with Grace Jones, and just yeah, not yeah. very good. And unfortunately, Arnold kind of outgrew the role in terms of you know he started getting bigger and better. Terminator, and you know, and then he's doing all of his stuff, and you know, there was always talk of him coming back to it, doing an elderly version, you know, like not elderly, but like an older version, King Conan. Mm-hmm. Um, and just never got around to it. And then, like ten years ago, they tried to restart it with Jason Momoa, and you know that movie had its moments, but it just didn't work. So unfortunately, it's the essence of Conan as a movie character is boiled down to this one movie. But at least we got this one movie because it's it's fantastic. And I'm not a huge guy. Like I, I love movies, and I love reading about movies and trivia, and I love to absorb information and and. Uh, you know, look at the art books and everything, but I'm not a guy that really listens to a lot of commentaries because if I'm watching a movie, I want to watch the movie. I don't know if I want to always mm-hmm. hear someone talking in my head, but that being said, if you ever watch one commentary, watch the Conan commentary with John right. Milius and Schwarzenegger because it's, it's before Schwarzenegger was a politician and, you know, do you remember, do you remember the, the breasts on this girl, John? He's just, <laughs> he's just completely out there and, you know, it, it's a lot of fun. So, All right, uh, I gotta check it out. Conan the Barbarian is is uh, is is my answer for number four. Now I have to rewatch it out because it's been so many years, and it's yeah, it always there's certain scenes that just stick out to me. What's the yeah. guy Mako? Right, that's is that the the guy who the uh, like the mystic in there, Mako? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Great film. Yeah, I agree with you. Don't worry about Conan the Destroyer. You could skip that. Just watch Conan. Skip it. Totally. <laughs> skip it twice. <laughs> All right, uh, my number three. Uh, you actually Planet Comics covered this. I thought you did a great job on it. Well, thank you. Mad Max. Oh yeah, yeah yeah. Uh, love this film. Uh, still do. It's you know most people talk about the the Road Warrior as you know people our age will say oh the Road Warrior is the that's the Mad Max film. Go back as again the. Rewatch Mad Max. It's a more stripped down, almost like a grindhouse type, just, you know, film. It's, I, it's great the way it, it shows Max how he becomes, you know, this totally different character. He's, yeah. he's a nice family man, just becomes, you know, family gets killed by the bikers. Uh, the best character, Bubba Zanetti. You agree? The like this yeah. new wave punk rocker has yeah. the best lines in the film. Uh, just, uh, just great, great film, and it just showed how the popular that just then made the Road Warrior, and then everything else spawned from that. Uh, that's why it's my number three. It still holds up. Oh, absolutely, yeah. We like you said, we did that two or three years ago. Gary, uh, GI Gary, had picked it, and he's a huge fan of the um of the of the series, and uh, I think. I prefer Road Warrior to Mad Max, but I mean, it is by like a hair. And also, 
if you've only seen Road Warrior, which is the one I saw first, it's so I cool did too. To go, it's so yeah. cool to go back and watch Mad Max because in the Road Warrior, it's just this guy surviving and pushing. And and one of the great things about it is is that you see the difference in, in the in the short amount of time. In in Mad Max, there seems to be some kind of even though there's been some kind of like uh, nuclear war or something, they never say it. There's still some kind of lawful society, right? There's cops. There's you know mm-hmm. they're the last like line of defense. And in the few years, whatever it is between Mad Max and Road Warrior, that's all gone, right? And now it's just like you know you're 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 trying to you're eating dog food out of cans and you're trying not to get raped by guys in fucking hockey masks all day long. Um, uh, you're absolutely right Mad Max is a fucking it's a great movie and it's one of those ones one of the things I love about doing the podcast is uh, after a while I'm like man you know that that episode was a while ago I haven't seen Mad Max in a while I gotta throw it on again you know what I mean I want to watch it again Um, so you're you're absolutely right man If if I was doing 79 it would be very high on my list and another cool car the Interceptor oh the last of the V8 Interceptors yeah All right, what do you have for number three, John, from 1982? Now it's getting tough for you to make decisions when you're doing this list. Yes, because number three, at any point, my number three could have been my number one, and maybe ten years ago it would have been my number one. Mm -hmm. But it's very similar to The Dark Crystal with kind of, I'm going to use the word, it's a dour-toned movie. Uh, It came out on June 25th, directed by Ridley Scott, Blade Runner. Um, I'm a huge Blade Runner fan. <clears throat> I've always loved it. But it's, you know, it, some people might say it's style over substance. I don't think it is. I think it's got a great story. Plus, the production design, you know, informed an entire generation of movie makers, right? Like, look think, look think back to any futuristic-looking movie, look at Fifth Element or... Mm-hmm. No, you're right. They pulled from Blade Runner in one way, shape, or form, you know. Uh, but th- this is a movie, you know, about the line between humanity. What 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 makes someone human? You know, um, the the main character is supposedly a human in the movie, but you're never quite sure, especially when Ridley Scott starts to make more and more different versions of it. But then you have the antagonist in the movie, whose soul kind of criminal uh, doing is that they're trying to live longer than they're supposed to. Right. Mm-hmm. And all they want is to live, you know, the Wrecker Howard, you know, you know, goes yeah. to James Hong, you know, what do you want? Give me life fucker. Or not, not James Hong, but he says that to, to the Tyrell, give me life fucker. You know, like he's dying, you know, um, imagine if, you know, someone told you tomorrow, you've got five days left. You know, if you don't want to die, then you're going to cling to life. You know, mm-hmm. the, the, the final scene in the movie, which is, you know, Harrison Ford's Deckard character, who is, is this ex-cop detective whose sole job is to hunt these things down and kill them. He's just doing his job. But, like, in the end, he has this – it's – at the time, it, it failed in the box office because here's an action movie that ends with the two characters sitting on a ledge talking for five minutes while one of them dies. Mm-hmm. Of of na- of you know incepted natural causes, it's heavy as fuck. So it's still one of my favorite movies of all time. 
of all time and of 1982. But the other two that are above this, you know, maybe maybe have a slightly, even though they're dark too to an extent, might have a slightly more feel-good quality to them than this one does. But okay. man, when you watch, I might not be explaining myself well, but but when you watch Blade Runner, it's immersive. It's so immersive, you know. Um, between the sound design, the music, the what you see on screen, what's happening in the story, it's it's a love story that's confused by the fact that not everybody might be human. You know, um, I, I just think it's a great movie. I, 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 it's, it is. it's a tough one to discuss. It is. Yeah. No. I. Yeah. Rucker Howard. That's. I, think most people say that's the best Rucker Hauer performance oh, ever. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, hands down. Uh, who else is it? Uh, who played Rachel? Uh, uh, Sean Young, right? Sean, Sean Young, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, great cast. Uh, I, mean, I, I really can't say anything bad about it. It still holds up. Uh, uh, Deckard. Uh, the, the gun he has is uh, phenomenal, too. Uh, Harrison oh, Ford. The, yeah. <laughs> Yep. And this is a film, when I was a kid, I really didn't have much interest in it, watching the trailers. I don't know if you did. No, the first time I ever saw it, at like like nine years old, my parents rented it. And, oh, okay. And you know what my reaction was to it? This is boring as fuck. It, the trailers look boring. Yeah, I didn't see it for years, and I, you know, I'm sure you're like me. Oh, Harrison Ford's and I'll watch it, like Indiana Jones. This right. one, I was like, ah, it looks kind of boring, and... Then I finally watched it when I was a teenager. I'm like, oh, okay. I was ready for it at that time when I was like 15 right. or whatever. And Yep, the same thing for me. You had to be ready for it. But it's visually, it's very stunning. Agreed. All right. Now I'll go with my number two for 1979. This film I know you love because we, we've talked a little bit about it before. Okay. And it's another Ridley Scott film. Oh, Aliens. Yeah. Uh, number two uh, of all time to me. Number My number two film of all time. Really? Is that, I didn't know it was that high. Number two. Oh, number two. Yeah. I, I you know, I love movies and uh, it's one of the few that I attempt and usually pass uh, to watch every year. I, I try to watch it every year. Mm-hmm. It's funny because yesterday I put it on and Laura's like, didn't you just watch this a month ago? I said, well, yeah, I just want to. <laughs> Just want to have it fresh in my brain for the yep. for the podcast, but you could easily watch it. Yes, dude, <laughs> <laughs> as an action figure in the screen, John's holding. But uh, I can't say anything bad about it. Maybe you can kind of have a few quibbles, like, well, okay, maybe the chest burster might look like a puppet, or you can have like a little. No, you could not, you could not, say not a me. few. You could you could if you really want to nitpick, you could with anything, but. Uh, the writing, the directing, uh, they melded science fiction and horror together perfectly. Uh, the cast, uh, the special effects, just the set design, it's still, you can still look at it and it still holds up. It's not like, oh, uh, well, I mean, a, a couple things. You can see some of the flashing lights. You can say, oh, this is the 70s, but 90% of it, uh, the, the space jockey, when you first see that, when you see them walk up to it, it it's just amazing. Yeah, I agree. It, it's it's almost a flawless movie to me. Um, uh, Larry uh, did a couple shows earlier this year. Uh, when was it this year? Yeah, earlier this year, before 
he was allowed to go back to the strand. He did two um, uh, drive-in shows, uh, okay. drive-in theater, and one it was two weeks in a row: Alien and then Aliens the week following. Okay, and uh, and that was the one time this year I watched Alien, and it's it's just it's a perfect movie to me. I absolutely love it. Um, if if this if I was doing seventy nine, it would probably be it would be my number one because, like I said, it's my it's easily my number two movie of all time. Um, I think someone gave it to me uh, as a birthday gift on VHS, like when I was like nine or 10. Okay. And I could still remember the first time I watched it. I could still remember the sheer terror when, uh, when Dallas is in the corridors and, you know, he's trying to get through the, uh, through the tunnels and, uh, and they're, they're guiding him with the, uh, with the little long range sensor and the, you know, beep, beep. Beep. The noises—it's—it's—it's it's, it's a perfect horror movie that takes place in space, and it launched so many careers. You know, obviously Sigourney Weaver, and uh, and then you get people like Ian Holm, who had been around, but like this movie really cemented him. Tom Skerritt, who within a couple of years would be on Cheers. You know what I mean? Like, just—it's just such a great fucking movie. Yeah, the thing that stood out to me—I saw probably around the same age. The face hugger. Yeah. Seeing that, the whole concept, then the tails gripping, you know, they're trying to cut it with the scalpel, and then it starts to tighten up the tail around the neck, that it's, you know, laying eggs, and then they cut it, you see that the blood is acid. Uh, I, I thought that was the whole concept of that was great. And then when you finally get to see the H.R. Giger design alien, uh, possibly the coolest looking uh, alien ever, or just creature or a character, whatever you want to call this. Uh, oh, yeah. Up there. Yep, love it. Okay, so we're going to go for ni- 1982, your number two, John. All right, number two. This one also could flip-flop with three and one, but right okay. now the way I'm feeling, this is one that a couple years ago probably would have been four or three. But the more I've watched it, uh, the more I've gotten to see it in the last few years, um, the more I've read about it. I've always enjoyed this movie, but it's one of these ones that has really, as an adult, like grasped me more and more and more. Uh, it came out on June 25th, which was the same day as Blade Runner. Imagine that. two These two mm-hmm. movies on the same day, and they both flopped horribly, by the way. Uh, directed by John Carpenter, the remake of The Thing. Um, there's... There's just not enough to say about this movie. It's man, this movie at times almost can crawl into like my top five. Like it, it might be in my top five of all time. Um, a lot of people would go, you know, if, if it had to pick a heart, excuse me, a carpenter movie, they'd go Halloween immediately. And I do love Halloween. Um, and I know obviously with the, what it did for independent cinema and for, you know, technically what would be considered the guy's first movie, you know, other than dark star or whatever. Um, but I think the thing is just better, man. It is, it's just this, it's a perfect combination, right. Of taking a concept and a setting and putting those two things together to create a terror on their own. Oh, and then let's add maybe what are some of the greatest practical effects of all time, right. Rob Bottin and, and all those guys, let's, let's, let's have a fucking rib cage that, that bites the guy's hands off. And oh, when when it's done with that, how about the head rips off and turns to a fucking spider? 
and oh we got a bunch of dogs just fucking tie them all together and uh let's get wilford brimley in here somehow it, it's With, yeah without a mustache though no, without no a mustache, mustache. yeah sand mustache uh it's a five-star movie it's uh it's a perfect example of suspense uh you truly you know i it's one of those movies that i get jealous of when i when i find out someone's never seen it before because i'm like man you don't know what you know you don't know what's coming right in alien which which i love and, and i would put above the thing you know despite the fact that you get the you know the uh, betrayal of ash who's the who's the robot you know you know it's this crew versus this thing and you know that even though you don't know where it is on the ship it's this thing right in the thing you don't know who's what you never know and they do a great job of never letting you know there's characters there's one scene in the movie early on where um a character sitting in a room and you never see what character it is and another character comes to the door and you see the shadow and you got to assume at that point that it's an attack scene but they cut away from it john carpenter purposely used someone that wasn't one of the actors as the shadow so it's you, you can't identify who the fuck it is because it's not one of the people that was even there so he's setting up this whole world of mystery um, and then, obviously, if you've seen it, and I don't feel like I'm spoiling this 40, you know, no. this is the 40, 40th yeah. anniversary we're hitting, um, is, you know, it, it ends dourly, too. You know what I mean? Here's a movie that ends with, you know, uh, our two guys left, may or may not be the thing, and no matter what, they're dead, and this thing is just going to go back to sleep and come back at another time. Uh, it, it's, man, it's a fucking great movie. My God, I love that movie. <laughs> When you say the suspense part, the first thing that sticks in my head is uh, McCready's testing the blood to see. Oh God, yeah. That that that's the part, and it is very similar to Alien. Certain, definitely, there's certain parts of it. Uh, we did uh, on the Pint of Comics when you did the live cast on Facebook. Uh, Scary Larry is very angry when I said this is in the middle of the pack of my John Carpenter films, and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's right. I, that's right. I, I, I forgot. Yeah, I, I like the film. I think maybe because I saw Alien first, I just I gravitate towards that more. I don't know, and I just for Kurt Russell, I don't know. I don't want to say he's one dimensional, but I just think I expected more out of him in that film as a character. I don't. I don't know what it is. The effects, uh, phenomenal. I, I agree with you. Yeah, that, that's. It's, it's it's just an incredible movie. It's one of those movies that like I watch it once or twice a year. It's one of those ones where my wife will like you kind of said about your wife like she'll go are you watching this again? I'm like <laughs> I'm like look I'm like look it's December that was like that was like July chill out that was five months ago. <laughs> but yeah, and then uh, and then I think some of the reason why I don't like it the uh, the huskies in there I, I love huskies and they're shooting at the huskies at the beginning of the film. I think that's oh, the no. reason why. <laughs> It, no, no, I, I'm a dog lover, and that and yeah. that bothers me too. Yeah, that bothers me too. The, 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 the scene, the scene in the kennel when they when they introduce oh, yeah. the alien dog, and the other dogs are chewing through the metal trying to get out. Yeah. It, it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. But it is definitely a memorable film, uh, and and I actually talked to um, at Connecticut Horror Fest. I was getting a chicken sandwich outside at the food truck. Um, Who's the actor? Uh, last name uh, Maloney. 
Oh, Peter Maloney, uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I was talking to him. He was getting a chicken sandwich. Nice. How many people how many people can say that? They 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 talk to him and he's talking about the thing to me. He's like, you know, that uh, Siskel and Ebert, you know, Roger Ebert, he really ruined John Carpenter's career for a while when he slammed the thing. He didn't make films for years because of that, because of that review he gave him. I said, oh, I didn't know that. So, yeah, so uh, he said that really, really hurt him. Roger Ebert hated the film. He made Christine a year later. <laughs> he made Christine. I don't think anybody really considers that a Carpenter film, though, maybe. I don't know. No. I mean, he did direct it, but... He did Starman. I think the next Carpenter like film horror was... type film or sci-fi film is probably that's what he means. He's talking about like they live. I think that's what he's probably trying yeah, to okay. allude right. to. Big, I think that's what he means. Big trouble, he was going big to trouble a little China. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but probably yeah, okay, big, fair. probably big budget. Is, he didn't specifically say, it, but I think that's what he means. Probably, I don't know, but yeah, I just figure get a kick out of that story. No, it, it, well, it, was it a good chicken sandwich? <laughs> it was okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. It was <laughs> fair, fair to middling. Yes, and, uh, and I knew you were going to mention this film, so uh, I did rewatch it. I like it better now than I did in the past because uh, on the episode I did with you, the live cast, I said I haven't seen this movie in years, and I had to think the last time I saw the thing was when uh, the prequel came out. I watched it before that. Okay, and then watch. Right. So that was what 2011. So it's been 10 years. Wow. Yeah, I, I've seen it probably 15 times since then. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, oh, and the other interesting thing: Wilford Brimley uh, was 46. Yeah. Which is, I look. I said, how old is he? I had to look and see him. Like, wow, I look better. I'm older than Wilford Brimley. I look better than yeah. him in the film. So that that's yeah. always a good thing, right, John? Well, Wilford Brimley. <laughs> Wilford Brimley was was 50 in Cocoon. And he was playing, he and he was looked playing a, right seventy five, right? He was playing a contemporary of Ark, uh, of Yum Cronin and uh, Don Amici, who were seventy eight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. All right. Now, uh, my number one actually has an actor uh, from the thing in it. Okay. Uh, he was actually a Connecticut Horror Fest, also. I know what it is. The Warriors. Warriors. I knew it. Thomas Waits, right? Yes. Yeah. Now, The Warriors is a weird film. I've talked to people. I've loved this movie for years. Uh, when I talk to people, they either love this movie or they're just like, eh, it's all right. I don't know anybody who hates Yes. Do you agree? It's never, oh, I hate the movie. It's just like, eh, it's all right. Or, oh, I love it. It's phenomenal. It's one or the other. Yep. And I, I kind of felt that because I – know you well enough to know this is something you never mention uh i don't know what it is about the film i mean this i saw it first i was a young kid is one of those saturday matinee films they played on like channel 11 i remember seeing it with my cousin melanie and like what is this movie the warriors you could tell because it's very dated. There's a lot of afros in it. So in the 80s, I could already tell there's a lot of browns wearing brown leather vests. So I could tell, like, all right, this is kind of older looking. But once I started watching it, uh, it's supposed to be the near future. Yeah. And as all these gangs in New York and these gangs uh, have gimmicks, too. They're just not like normal looking gangs. They have some dressed like pimps. The Lizzie's? Yeah, was it yeah Lizzie's? The, the, the Lizzie's. Uh, they yeah. call it the Lizzie's, but yeah. that's yeah, the, the, the Lizzie's, uh, Baseball Furies, 
the, the skinheads in there are called the Turnbull ACs. I love the, the whole concept of uh, Cyrus, who runs the, the biggest gang, the Riffs, gets all the gangs together, have nine delegates get together, and his plan is for everyone to just take over the city. There's if in numbers of you know strength in numbers, have more numbers than the cops if you get everyone together. Right. Uh, mm. Trying to have a truce, and then you have the uh, phenomenal in this film. David Patrick Kelly is Luther. Oh yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Just shoots him. Uh, Cyrus kills him, then blames the warriors, and just and then you have to see the warriors escaping. All these they have no idea what's going on. You see all these gangs coming after him. Like why the hell are these guys after us? They're supposed to be a truce. Then they find out with the Lizzies later. They tell them you killed Cyrus. So they're like, well, we didn't kill him. And then they figure out what goes on. Uh, I also love the the soundtrack that Barry the Verzon did. It has like this. A lot of uh, synthesized music. Yeah, they've got the the DJ that like breaks up stuff in between. Right? Yeah. yeah, yes, yeah. Then she apologizes at the end for spreading this misinformation. And says, <laughs> "I'll play a song for you to make up for it." So yeah. she plays some Joe Walsh in the city for him, just to make up for you know people getting arrested and killed. Two, uh, you know, two, so. your, two or three of your guys are dead, so I'm gonna. Play you <laughs> I'm gonna play you a fucking a bad eagle song. <laughs> But uh, so you're you're kind of just like indifferent. You're like it's okay. Your opinion, John? Yeah, you know what's funny about it is, um, <clears throat> so 1979. Um, this was a movie that I was a blind spot to. I had never fully seen it. Like I, my friends had it. I remember my next door neighbor growing up was a big physical media collector, VHS, and he had those old. Do you remember those RCA discs they used to have? Oh, they're called CEDs. Is that yes. you telling me you have to flip them over? Yes. And they were like, like records. He he had the Warriors, and I had just never watched it with him. So okay. it was kind of an ongoing joke like uh, on the show and in, in real life with some of my friends like Larry and stuff where it's like, I've never seen the Warriors. So last year in 2020, Halloween weekend, uh, I had gotten exposed to somebody with COVID. So I had to take like four days off from work and had to isolate myself and i watched like 12 movies that weekend <laughs> and i had bought the warriors years ago on dvd because I, I intended to watch it and i just thought you know what i'm so tired of everybody busting my balls i'm gonna watch the warriors so i threw the warriors in and i enjoyed it i was fine with it but i'm not of the like you said i'm not you, you said it perfectly people seem to love it and are crazy about it um, or they're like, eh, whatever. And I was kind of more of the, eh, whatever. Um, now, Larry, to this day, the version I watched was like some anniversary version where in the DVD they included comic book panels. Yes, like these, like, these, like what, you, what would you call them, like swipes or something to the next scene, right? And it, it was real garbagey, right? And I, I could tell it was real garbagey. And he claimed that the only reason I didn't like it as much as I should have was because of that. I think he's wrong. It doesn't. I, it's you're either gonna. It, that's not gonna really change much of the film. It's yeah. very minimal. The the addition of the, those scenes. So. I, I will. I will say. I had. I had watched the making of afterwards, and I think the screenwriter or the director Walter Hill had said when they originally put the movie out, he wanted that to be in the movie, and they just didn't have the time or budget for it. Mm -hmm. So when they did that DVD, they did it. 
But I mean, it was it was just it looked like it was done on someone's ColecoVision. It was garbage. Yeah, it, it's the idea, the concept was good, but it wasn't. Yeah, the execution yeah. wasn't wasn't great. Yeah, it, it's a classic movie. I mean, I, I can't take away from it, and it being number one on your list is not a surprise to me. Um, I'm surprised the Muppet movie didn't make your list because that would have made my 79 list. But I'm not judging you. Uh, but yeah, the, the worst. <laughs> But I have a hundred honorable honorable mentions. We'll, we'll mention those later if you want. But sure, uh, absolutely, absolutely. But uh, <laughs> it's going to be more than uh, your co-host Lloyd has. So, good lord, good lord. <laughs> uh, but but uh, okay for number one, John. What do you have? All right, number one. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Full circle from your number ten, uh, June fourth, nineteen eighty two, directed by Nicholas Meyer, Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan. Um, uh, oh. you know, it, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's a five-star movie. It's perfect. Um, you said it, you know, unfortunately it took the failure of the first movie to, for them to kind of make Gene Roddenberry take a step back and they brought in Harv Miller, uh, Harv, is it Bennett? Harv Bennett? I'm sorry. Uh, they brought Harv Bennett in and they said, you know, you're a producer. You don't know much about Star Trek. Here's 79 episodes of the original series. Watch all of these and find something to tie into a second movie. And he's not a Star Trek fan. He watches them objectively and he goes, uh, there was an episode called Space Seed with Ricardo Montalban as the eugenics Superman, you know, con. Let's, let's bring him back because you had a real foe. You had an ending to his story. You didn't kill him. And who the fuck would want wrath or vengeance more than anybody? The original title of the movie was The Vengeance of Khan. And because Return of the Jedi was originally called Revenge of the Jedi, the Star Trek producers um, changed it to Wrath mm-hmm. at the last minute, not knowing that uh, eventually they would turn it to Return of the Jedi for, uh, for reasons as well. So essentially you get a sequel um, to this movie, or I'm sorry, to the, to, to a, a, was it a second season show from, you know, 30 or 25 years prior. Um, and it, it's just, it's, it's perfect. Uh, you know, you, you get one of the greatest character deaths of all time in, in cinema, not in a Star Trek movie, not in a science fiction movie. When Spock sacrifices himself, um, in that last, you know, in that last, uh, 15 minutes it's you know especially for someone and i had never seen star trek the the show before so like i don't know if it hit me then when i was six or seven years old when i saw this in the theaters but i knew i liked star trek from from this right but then when you become a fan of the original series and you watch a lot of it and you you learn that these people are a family right and when when spock does the unthinkable to save the rest of the crew of the enterprise I, I challenge any man out there not to cry in that scene. I cry every time. Every time. And people will sometimes, you know, make the joke, you know, that Shatner's an overactor and these are TV actors. That scene with them between the glass and Spock getting up and straightening his uniform out, even though he's fucking decimated by nuclear radiation, him doing the stuff that you know the character would, would want to do, would want to look proper, and holding the hand up and it's it's just perfect. And then on top of that, let's add in the insane villainy of Khan. Let's add in the action sequences. 
some of the greatest submarine fights in a in a movie ever that don't take place on a fucking submarine. <laughs> um, one of my favorite all time movie scenes ever uh, when the um, when the uh, when the Reliant, the ship that Khan steals from the Federation, uh, sneak attacks the Enterprise, and the whole bit that goes with the shield um, code, and you know the whole you know with with Kirk with you know, Khan, uh, you know sending it over now or you know it's just great it's just a great movie there are a ton of good star trek movies that were made um in the original uh, era uh, part four is great you know the part six is great there but none of them are fucking like flawless and star trek 2 is flawless and number one easily number one there's only one flaw okay you know what that right. is uh check uh, off wasn't supposed to be there check off check off Chekhov would not know who Khan was. Yeah. But you know what? You could even write that into saying maybe he was like on the Enterprise. You just never saw him. I'm just breaking you your know? balls. But no. Oh, it, no. It, no, it, no you're right. You're absolutely yeah. right. It's, it's a big overture. They could have just switched him and Sulu very easily, you know? But yeah, it's phenomenal. I can't really say anything bad about it. It's the one film where the people who finally got around to watching that didn't like the motion picture watch this like, oh, this is great. They gave the franchise a chance again. Yeah. Yep. And, and uh memorable scene, the uh those little slugs oh, in yeah. the ears, the the control yep. uh, uh amazing, amazing. The and, uh, uh, just just some of the lines, you know, this is Sandy Alpha Five, you know, like just Khan's like total lunacy, you know, because he's he just he this guy sent him there to die. He didn't. He didn't give him the dignity of a fucking warrior's death, you know. He let him rot and watch his wife die, and and watch the planet next to his planet explode and turn his people <laughs> into a bunch of fucking like you know, Kentucky Hill Hunters, you know. So, I don't know. I I just I love that movie. And as a matter of fact, um, that's going to be an episode we're doing this year on the pint going into twenty twenty two because it's the fortieth anniversary. So we're gonna we're gonna do a fortieth anniversary. On uh, Wrath of Khan. Oh, it'll be great, definitely. All right, I'm gonna go through some of my honorable mentions, and I'll let you. And then you gotta tell me. Do you want to tell me what your uh, you can't believe I left off? Uh, Muppet movie. Uh, I'm a big Muppet fan, though. Seven nine. That's that's a big one for me. That's a big I, one for me. I saw that in the theaters as a kid. As an adult, I don't like Muppets anymore. I have no interest. I tried watching them on Disney Plus. I don't know what it is. I just don't like them as an adult for whatever reason. But I'm very upset. I thought for your number one, you're going to have Megaforce. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> Mega- <laughs> you can plug Mega- the upcoming episode, right? Yes, we, yes, we can. We can. Science fiction, uh, fantasy, action, 80s. Uh, it'll probably be the second or third week of uh, January. I have uh, the guys from So Wizard Podcast on. And we will be talking about the, the colossal piece of shit Megaforce. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'll give you some of my. I can't believe uh, you didn't have Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid for. Uh, your, were you thinking about it? I have not seen it in a long time, and it's it, it's one that I haven't seen enough. But I do know okay. I, love that. I I do know I really enjoy that movie, um, and that's also hard to find on physical media. I don't know. If oh, they, they just did... came out. I went to that, the archive. They have a Blu-ray of it now, believe it or not. Ooh. So it's probably like you know, if it's like a limited release. But just to let you know. Oh, then I got to go pick it up. I love the archive. Uh, another film that I love. It's uh, 
Sword and a Sorcerer. Familiar with that from 1982? Okay. I'd put that on the list. That's it. (laughs) Uh, I'll give you a couple of my honorable mentions. Uh, Lloyd style. So we're going to have like 50 of them. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, Over the Edge with Matt Dillon. I don't know if you're familiar with that film. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Saw. He's like a rough. He's like a yeah. teen ruffian, yeah. Okay, yeah. Long time ago, yeah. Uh, that uh, zombie. Never saw it, but yeah. Okay. Uh, it, yep. It's good. First Italian horror film I ever saw, but didn't didn't make the cut. A uh, movie I was just talking to you about recently, one of your episodes, The Brood, the Cronenberg film. Cronenberg, yep. Like that. Uh, I just have to mention this film. Don't like it. Think it's extremely overrated. But Apocalypse Now. Just because that was one of the biggest films in 1979, but I, you agree with me? It's just I don't understand the fascination I, I, with it. I enjoy it. I actually, uh, during COVID, when I was buying a ton of Blu-rays, I bought like the the giant like edition for like twelve dollars <laughs> um, okay. because I hadn't seen it in so long that I want to kind of watch it again to kind of make up my mind. But I agree with you; it's never been one that's like. It, I think it's a, a, a well-made movie. I never understood the fascination with it. Uh, but I do want to watch it again to kind of solidify. Okay. Yeah, I haven't seen it in probably 20 years. Yeah, it's been a long time for me, too. Uh, they're in Rock and Roll High School. I feel like the Ramones. F- not a great movie by any means, but it's just a fun movie. Uh, Love at First Bite, George oh, Hamilton. George Hamilton. Yeah, yeah. Just a funny, entertaining movie. Uh, we have to mention Meatballs with Bill Murray. Yep. That's a, a hilarious movie. And... Uh, Kramer versus Kramer is the first drama I ever saw in the theaters. Okay. <laughs> um, what else? Escape from Alcatraz, first drive-in movie I ever saw. And the first martial arts film I ever saw, Force of One with Chuck Norris. So I just want to – there's a million more, but I'm not going to pull a full Lloyd on you. So uh... <laughs> no. <laughs> that, that's, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, no, full Lloyd would be where you would bring up all your honorable mentions – and then go through them like we went through all the rest for another hour. <laughs> uh, and I don't, I don't know about you, John. I don't know if you edit your your podcast. I edit mine. So yes. When Lloyd starts doing that, I start to cringe because now it's like <laughs> this is going to take a while. <laughs> okay. What do I, don't, you have? I, don't, I don't really have any honorable mentions so much as like as I said earlier. There's at least one movie or a couple movies that I think people could look at me for not bringing up. And go, Jesus Christ! Like he didn't mention, I didn't mention Poltergeist. Uh, kind of yeah. like we talked yeah. about, um, kind of with um, what we just talked about with uh, Apocalypse Now. We did an episode on Poltergeist last year, and about this time last year, and it was the first. I saw Poltergeist at about twenty years old for the first time ever. Oh, okay. and, I, and I went, man, that was like disappointing for what everybody told me. And Larry and all those guys like kept going, "You're crazy! You're crazy!" So we do the um, the Scary Larry's Pine of Horrors episodes mm-hmm. where we do episodes, uh, uh, you know, based on movies Larry picks. And Poltergeist was picked. And so we rewatched, we rewatched it. And I, I will say it's much better than I had remembered. But even now, I, it's not like top 10 of 82 for me. And the other one I think that a lot of people would say is E.T. E.T. just, as a kid, I loved it. And I I've never felt the same way. It, it just, it does yep. not hold up to me. It, it's, it's a very modeling or, or maybe that's not the right word, a very saccharine, you know, friendship story. It's got its moments, but um, it does not hold pocket for me at all. Like I, I don't, I don't go, man, I got to watch ET again ever. 
I tried watching it a few years ago. I was like, yeah, I loved it as a kid. And that's it. I'm done. I don't need to watch it ever again. Yeah, and maybe that's a good thing. Maybe maybe there are some movies that have to be magical to kids only, you know? And not to say that you lose your heart as an adult, but like that you just don't have that same wavelength as you had as a kid. Mm-hmm. So that's that's all. I mean, I figured there'd be a couple people out there listening going, 82, you didn't mention Poltergeist. You didn't you mentioned Friday, <laughs> yeah. Friday 13th Part 3, you asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that has more rewatchability than me, in my opinion, than Poltergeist. But I, I totally agree. I totally agree. Uh, is Poltergeist more original? And uh, yeah, absolutely. But you know what? I have more fun watching. You know, Jason. You know, whack someone in the head with a fucking machete. <laughs> All right, this has been a lot of fun, man. I had a great time talking with you, John. I always have fun with you, John. Like I said at the beginning, no joke. Uh, kind of since we connected, and I've been listening. I listen every week. I've really been enjoying your show or every, you know, every week that you put it out. And, uh, you know, no matter who you have on, uh, it's always a fun listen. Ninja November was great. Um, uh, the only one I, I haven't listened to uh, all the way through is you did the commentary on, on Friday the 13th. Uh, which one was oh, that? Part, part two. two? Part two. Yeah. Well, it's a long one, so I can understand that. Yeah. And, and I kind of want to watch it with the movie. So oh, like, okay. I'm trying to, I'm going to try to figure that out at some point because uh, part two is a favorite of mine as well. So it is, yeah, it's a fun movie. Well, this has been great. Uh, where can everyone find you, John? Uh, so just go to anywhere you get your podcasts and look up Pint O Apostrophe Comics. Uh, that's a bullshit title. <laughs> we do mostly movie. We do mostly movie stuff. Uh, we do still talk comics though. Um, we do you know top five and ten lists uh, every week. A new episode. We do a lot of live stream stuff. So go to uh, Facebook. Pint of Comics and check us out there. Um, uh, go to Instagram, Pint underscore O underscore Comics, uh, and Twitter at Pint of Comics. And uh, essentially, it's just me and uh, and my co-host, uh, the Manster, aka Lloyd, aka Honorable Fucking Mention. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we just talk uh, to guests and uh, and and friends, and uh, we we do we do all different stuff. We love to talk pop pop culture. Uh, John has been on twice, and uh, we had a we had a great time with him, and he's invited to come back whenever. So yeah, no, I'd love to. Yeah, next year definitely we'll figure something out. You got it. Or this year, by the time this comes out, this year. All right, thanks again. Thank you. This is good, but what is best in life? The open step, three thoughts, tokens at your wrist, and the wind in your hair. Wrong. Conan, what is best in life? To crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and to hear the lamentation of your women. That is good. That is good. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? see photos and links about each subject we discuss in each episode, please go to anchor.fm slash shocking things. That has all of our episodes and links to our social media, as well as a link to the shocking things store. 